the price point is different, you know, okay. for sure. Like it is higher, even if it's just comparing conversion rate, like we do have a higher, higher markup and I'm sure that's yeah. you know, and shipping things into Canada is way more expensive. Hey, welcome back to the Gecko Cove Connection, the Gargoyle Gecko Podcast. My name's Bobby, and today I get to interview Jasmine from Blackthorn Exotics. Blackthorn Exotics is located up in Canada. She's our very first guest from overseas. Well, technically not overseas, she's just straight up north, but in a different country. So I get to have a lot of fun talking with her about what's different in Canada. Are all geckos related to Northern Gecko up there? Uh, what is it like to import and export? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the benefits of being in Canada as a gecko breeder? So if that sounds interesting to you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Gecko Cove. Well, welcome back to the Gecko Cove Connection. Today I have Jasmine from Blackthorn Exotics. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have you on today. You're my first Canadian guest, and I would love to learn about sort of the Canadian market and, and a lot about you and your, your practices. Are things different up north? You know, you wouldn't think so because we're just northern neighbors, but things are so different in the way of costs and accessibility and things like humidity and temperature control. So there is quite a few quite a few things that people don't realize are different up here. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to, to dive into that. But before we do that, I just want to learn a little bit about you and where Blackthorn Exotics uh, came from. So can you kind of give us your, your intro story? When did you start getting into animals and, and how did you create this business? Yeah, I mean, it's that typical doing it my whole life thing, catching frogs and all the things that drive the parents nuts. And uh, so, you know, animals have been a lifelong thing that way for sure. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of turned into something obviously a little more serious than that. Um, I started keeping properly amphibians and breeding amphibians when I was a teenager. Um, you know, kind of got a snake and a bearded dragon and did all those things from pet store rescues most of the time. And when I started breeding, it was in 2007 properly, and okay. I started breeding that was a while chameleons. Ago. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I started breeding chameleons first, and then you know got a couple crested geckos, and was like, no, I need something a little more substantial than this. And I mean, they're basically the same creature, right? You know. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I was producing, you know, panther chameleons, veiled chameleons, and then gargoyle geckos was the first actual gecko that I bred. Um, oh, I love yeah, that. All in 2007, so it's been it's been a bit with gargoyle geckos. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, even back then you were breeding gargoyle geckos. Yes, yeah, I actually got a really cool customer update the other day from a gargoyle gecko that I produced in 2007. That's just still alive and kicking. So. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So it's been, you know, it's, it feels like a long time ago, but then when you see that your animals are still indeed alive, it doesn't feel like that long ago. So <laughs> no, they definitely live a little bit uh, longer than your average pet, but it, it's cool yes. to see that it's being well taken care of and that they reach back out. Uh, I get excited when I send a picture of a three-year update, let alone, I mean, I won't do the math on how many years ago that was. But... I think it's a 16 <laughs> or 17 year update. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that gecko's in high school. For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. cool. So, yeah, after kind of uh, working with chameleons and a few gargoyle geckos back then, how did it evolve into the business that it is today? 
Yeah, I did that. Um, you know, first time breeder jump in deep into everything, you know, right in the beginning and kind of kept a little bit of everything after I got my footing a little bit, especially once I started vending shows and then you see everybody's stuff and you're like, Ooh, I need that. Or, Ooh, that's really cool. Or I didn't realize I'd like them so much. And, you know, so I did that for a good number of years and then took a step back when I had my youngest kids. Um, you know, awesome. got rid of most of my collection just because it was much different time in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I started breeding when I was pretty young. So those big life changes that come in really kind of derail things sometimes. Yeah. Kids are so, harder than geckos. Right. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started Blackthorn up. Um, my original business was Canopy Chameleons, right? And that okay. was kind of what I, you know, I really, my focus was on chameleons and, and Madagascar species in general. And then when I came back into it, um, I wanted something a little more broad that wasn't just sure. one a one species name type thing. And so Blackthorn was pretty natural because I work with, like I'm a herbalist as well. So I work with plants and trees and all those things. And it was kind of just my favorite my favorite tree and a tree that's like well-known from, you know, more that UK heritage and smashed it all together. And we had Blackthorn Exotics. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And really started doing it um, more seriously. Yeah. 2019, right before things got crazy. So it was a little great time. jarring time to come back. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is happening? <laughs> this is different. <laughs> right. Were the prices as crazy in 2019? I mean, I know it really picked up in 2020, but when you um, first started purchasing them or did you notice like, man, I got in at the right time? It was a bit of both, you know, a bit of both because the things that were popular, the things that I loved the most mm-hmm. were like really popular. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of like IMG boas and stuff like that. And those price tags were really, really high. Even that four years ago, sure. uh, crested geckos were definitely, I would consider them to have been pretty normal when I got sure. back in. Gargoyle geckos were pretty normal, you know, like the average price. I mean, prices aren't going to mean much because it's in Canadian, but I'd That's say, okay. we could, you we know, have calculators for that. Right. Well, in us, it was probably about, <laughs> You know, 250 US was like a baseline for just a normal black and white striper, or a retic or something like that. So it was yeah. pretty normal. It's kind of. Yeah, I'd say that even today, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the gargoyles have stayed somewhat more stable than the Crested Gecko market. We don't have to dive too much into that, but yeah. that's one nice thing about this species. So, you, you jumped in in 2019. And then what did 2020, 2021 look like for you? Was it a whirlwind? You know, it really was. Um, even just timing of life again, it was like, okay, I'm getting back into this. I'm like, you know, taking it super seriously. And life is like, are you sure about that? And so it was kind of a um, a, a little bit of a more difficult start because COVID really kind of took everybody by surprise as far as what the day-to-day life was going to look like. Um, it, it wasn't too different for us up here, right? Things were shut down and just crazy. So um, it was really difficult to, because we had to homeschool, right? All of our kids got pulled mm-hmm. out of school. So we were homeschooling and, and working still because I work from home. So there was no time off for my job. So yep. I, and, uh, and I got divorced that year as well. So it was Sorry about that. like, oh no, it, congratulations is the way yeah. to, <laughs> there you, <go. laughs> um, you know, Right. So I wasn't totally sure what my future looked like with reptiles again. I'm like, did I jump in too quickly because I didn't foresee 2020 being just apocalyptic as far as personal lives went. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, 
even though it's like, hey, that's it. I'm selling everything. Like, I can't do this. I'm not doing this at all. I'm really yep. glad I didn't make that decision. <laughs> I am too. You, <laughs> you got know? some gorgeous animals. Thank you. Yeah, it's so nice. And yeah. now I have um, I have a partner here that just loves them as much as I do. So it's Excellent. that you know, extra hands on it and somebody to talk to about it that really keeps you kind of like in the passion for it still. Because it's uh, Canada can be a little isolating for other breeders, right? Like sure. when there's especially I'm not in one of the big cities, right? So um, it is nice to kind of have somebody remind you of why they're so awesome all the time, (laughs) (laughs) especially when they're new to it, right? So, And I'll be honest with you, that's sort of why I'm doing this is that, you know, I'm I'm a little bit jealous. I love my wife. She's amazing. I don't deserve her. Right. However, she likes cute and fluffy. Anybody who's listening (laughs) to this has heard that. Uh, Scaly, she, she'd be happy if I sold them all off and we went on a Disney vacation tomorrow. So, (laughs) you know, I, I, I see some couples every so often at the shows and, uh, I think it's a lot of people's dream, you know, so you got the dream one way or another, you found it. Yeah. No, it's it's true, you know, because I've definitely been the other on the other side of that where yeah. the support was. Um, I think it was, it's a misunderstood hobby unless you really love them. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why why we love it. Right. Um, so it is pretty cool when you're able to kind of share that with somebody and not have to explain. Like, yes, that's right. I did spend X amount of thousands of dollars on this one. Correct. <laughs> and I think it's cute, you know, and they're like, right. cute. You got cute out of that one. Right. You know, or, you know, here, I don't know if you get this up in Canada, but up in the U.S. a lot. Uh, if anybody has family in Florida, it's, oh, I see those crawling around all the time. I'll just pick right. one up and send one to you. It's like, yeah, no, we don't not the here. same thing. <laughs> those are anoles, um, but yeah. I don't want to sound like a, a know-it-all. Right. <laughs> yeah, fair. Not that they don't have geckos in, in Florida. I'm, I understand they do. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, it's just funny how people don't appreciate it. And so if you have someone to share it with, it's amazing. It really is. And especially um, even just when something hatches. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, come look, come look like that. It's yep. more exciting when you have somebody to share it with. So it definitely is. And I will say, though, I've seen a lot of couples where the other partner came around, you know, after mm-hmm. X amount of years, they do come around, especially when they see how happy it makes you. Right. So hopefully that's the reason. Or in my case, I'm hoping when the money starts coming in from selling the babies, <laughs> my wife will start coming around. But that's Either just or. Me. Either or. <laughs> uh, where, where I see with my family. The people getting really excited are my kids and, yes. you know, everything's new to them, but this is really new to them. And especially with my, my sons, they love dinosaurs and, you know, hatching out of the egg. Uh, yeah. They've got to sit on my lap and watch the geckos hatch. And I think it, it leaves an impression on you. And yeah. so hopefully, man, I don't know if you share this experience with your kids at all, but it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, when you, especially when you have more than one kid not all of them are going to love it. That's just no. the, statistics, the statistics of it. But, um, you know, I definitely have one that's, he, he loves, he loves it. He comes down yeah. and he'll be happy to just watch me spray baby bins, you know? So. Yeah. Hey, I'll take one. It'd be fine. Absolutely. So if I can get both of them addicted, that'd be great. But I, I, have, I have low expectations. So. I mean, as long as they're willing to help wash bins, it's wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Free labor. That's yes. why we used to have kids, not anymore. But right. <laughs> farm life. I so okay. You said something earlier. I want to circle back to about just the overall market in Canada and the, the culture being a little bit different, um, potentially to the U.S. And you know, I don't know how often you've come down to the U.S. at all, or really seen some Never. some of our market. Yeah. But 
we talk a lot. You've probably seen a bunch of YouTube, you know, personalities talk about how it is here. So that probably yeah. helps. What would you say is the overall gecko market like in Canada, um, spe- specifically the gargoyles? Like, are people into certain things more than others? Uh, are there some challenges that, that we probably don't face here in the States? Yeah, I mean, we don't seem to have a lot of gargoyle breeders. Like, we do have a lot of small gargoyle breeders, you know, mm-hmm. people that breed a bunch of different type of geckos, um, but not large-scale or really super serious. There's only, you know, there's like a dozen kind of kicking around. And so Is everything related to Northern Gecko, is that true? It seems like <laughs> it. It seems like it. It really yeah. does. Um, which is great on one hand, because the, the lineage is always incredible and the it's quality is always yeah. incredible. But then when you're trying to breed things that aren't Northern Gecko, it does become complicated because it's like, okay, but did you get their parents from Northern Gecko? What about their grandparents? Yeah. Okay. That's there. There it is, <laughs> you <laughs> right. know? So it is because, you know, they have been such a huge part of the gecko community long-term, like really long-term in Canada, yeah. um, an absolute cornerstone, right? They've been, that's the name that everybody associates with, uh, Canadian with Canada, gecko yeah. breeders, right? So I think that one of their gargoyles is the gargoyle on the Rapashi formula you know i have no idea but i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) so (laughs) i think i saw some old youtube video back in the day where that was the case so okay could be wrong if i'm wrong put it in the comments i'm gonna have to google it now so yeah Yeah. Yeah. no it it can be tricky that way because a lot of us do when we're like okay we want really good quality uh animals and the importing budget may not be there you know there's there's great breeders to pick from but as far as selection goes they yep. usually have the most of it and so it is kind of tricky because and then we do end up importing a lot because of that you know and i find that i don't know if it's just because it's gargoyles but i find that there's not a lot of like when i scroll my feed on instagram for example it's just like crested 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 bearded dragon fat tail gecko and then maybe a couple down i'll see you know a gargoyle gecko and a chewy but for the most part i find because i try to follow a lot of canadian breeders right mm-hmm. especially when it comes time to go shopping you know it's and they're easier to access. they're gonna be cheaper yeah right well and this is it right and you can get the same quality often but we just don't have the selection like there's just way less breeders you know the there's 10 times and there's the population is 10 times in the states of what we mm-hmm. have here so that naturally means way less breeders way less selection way fewer bloodlines um and there's not as much of a, an importance for providing different shipping alternatives or selling alternatives or anything so there's just not enough of us to really make it worth it okay so there's you know all these micro challenges that are just a little bit more difficult even you know shipping cost um yep. in canadian it's like a hundred dollars to ship within the States. Like if I have a seller ship within the States, it's about a hundred dollars okay. Canadian. And here it's like 150. So even something like that, you know, those, again, those just little up. things. Yeah, it, it really does, you know, and then obviously having to import really is not cost effective. Um, but I feel it's really important to be able to have how much would it cost you to let's say you're you're looking at a nice gecko how much would it cost you to import you know two or three i'm assuming you're doing more than just one animal at a time when you choose to do that as well you know sometimes because they have um a price for one to two animals 
and then they okay. have a price for three plus animals. So you really have to kind of weigh it out because we also get charged shipping or uh, taxes as well when it comes across. Oh, okay. So it's going to be way more expensive to import a $3,000 animal versus a $300 animal, even with um, the, all the base import fees, right? So okay. it adds up really, really quickly, um, especially because there's, you know, I'm, we're importing one animal, uh, mid-October you know just one you know it's it which sounds crazy like it would be expensive um but it actually doesn't add enough onto the cost for it not to be worth it and then we did an import a couple weeks ago with I think altogether we had seven animals in there six animals in there and um it was only so expensive because of the the GST like the taxes that we had to pay on the shipment on the value so okay. this time, you know, I think uh, converting it to U.S. It would probably be like $350, $375 to oh, import wow. an animal. Yeah. Okay. And that's one to two animals plus tax, right? Plus that okay. 5% on top of the value. So you can do two animals for that, you know, 350 5%, no matter what the value is. 5%. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I know you would never, never fudge those numbers. You would always be honest. <laughs> Do you see other people, right, ever just, you know, when when they're claiming how much they, they spent on the package? You know, I don't fudge think those so because we all import through reptile people, right? Like we have reptile okay, express so they international. Know. So they would know. <laughs> it's like, are you trying to tell me that this chewy is only worth seventy five dollars? <laughs> like that's not happening. Yeah. You know, so the market's flooded. Chewies are cheap. No, <laughs> there's giving them away. Um, you know, so I'm sure there's people that claim a little less than it is because it does add up so fast. But for the most part, sure. everybody's pretty honest about it. And I mean we also don't want to wreck anything for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. that whole one bad apple thing, it's uh, it's facts. So, and we really struggle just like you guys do with laws and stuff like that. We don't want to draw any bad attention. Any bad attention to it. Yeah. Well, and you already said it's such a small community. Uh, yeah. You get that bad reputation and you're done. Exactly. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even if it was a huge one, I find the reptile community itself is a very small world mm-hmm. and you can't escape anything. <laughs> so, nope. you know, no point in trying. You got to play everything <laughs> above board. Yep. Not that that's great advice. Um, so would you say it's probably easier for me if I wanted to ship an animal from, you know, Canada uh, rather than, you know, you importing an animal? Which way is it easier in your opinion? I definitely think that if people are exporting from the U.S., it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, they get flat rates. We don't, mm-hmm. right? So there's a flat rate fee, and that includes shipping um, to the hub, to the house as well. Like So two, two shippings, that includes all the inspection, the paperwork. It's a flat fee. And yep. we do not have a flat fee. It adds it, like things just keep stacking up just because of the way the way our uh, system works. So, it's as far as ease goes, it's the same the same okay. amount of paperwork, which you know they usually handle for us. Like Reptile Express does all of our paperwork and everything. Um, sure. It's just the cost is where it gets a little different. So it's definitely cheaper to export from. Uh, to the U.S. To the U.S. Or yeah, if you're buying in yep. the U.S., bringing in is way cheaper. I've got two of my my best breeders this year um, that were shipped to me by uh, Bell City Exotics uh, in Canada, okay. and uh, 
yeah, uh, hopefully I'm saying the name rightly, right. But um, he was awesome. And actually, uh, he baked it all into the price for me. So I didn't even realize how much shipping was. Nice, yeah. Uh, which So I don't know if that's a strategy a lot of people employ in, in Canada. Definitely uh, try claim to. Claim free shipping. It up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's hard because our shipping is more expensive. So when we're like, oh, we'll include the cost of shipping. It's like, oh, no, why did I do that? Um, <laughs> right. But if we're sending down to the U.S., because of all the flat rates, you can send a bunch. Right. Like yeah. you can send way more um, without getting taxed like crazy and, and having the tiers jump up so fast. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely the way to do it. I know a lot of people kind of group group by because there's, yeah. you know, especially here, too, we have um, a per buyer fee and a per seller fee as well. So if three oh, okay. of us want to go in on one import um, from three different sellers, that's six separate additional fees as well wow right? so they catch you every which way yeah <laughs> yeah it okay. really adds up fast <laughs> yeah it can be um if you're not if you're not mindful too right and like remembering yeah. how many things are gonna it's like all of a sudden your import these fees are like a thousand dollars and you're like oh. <laughs> okay so so okay that, that leads me to two questions then so it sounds like because it's somewhat of a challenge just to, to get the animals. You're still doing it, and we love these animals, and they're worth it. Yeah. Uh, so do you just have, what, 10 geckos? You know, you'd think so. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, you would think so. No, it's definitely – we're more mindful, for sure, mm -hmm. when we're shopping for animals, um, especially now because I have been breeding for so long. Um, a lot of that, like, novelty of, ooh, I love this and I'm going to buy this, it's, it ne hasn't necessarily worn off because I still get excited, but you're more mindful as far as, is it going to fit into the plans? Like, is this something that's truly worth it? Because I know I'd love them all, no matter how many sure. there are, but I, I am pretty mindful of uh, amounts. Because even things like um, getting feeders are really tough, especially in this part of Canada. So okay. you got to be pretty mindful. It's like, well, if I can't get feeders this week, Am I going to be able to feed X amount of mouths? Thankfully, we don't have too many things that don't eat MRP as well. But, um, you know, there are a lot of a lot of considerations for how many animals to have because of, you know, just those extra costs and those extra consideration and, and just the way that we cage them like we house them. So and there's nothing wrong with being extra mindful on this. I think, you know, right. it's very easy to get addicted to buying geckos. Uh, oh, I am yeah. an example of that yeah. I, myself. And I, probably because my wife is the person who doesn't like these animals, she keeps me reined in like your government keeps you reined right. in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, true. so one thing I was wondering, so you're talking about, you know, the challenges with import. And so you're trying to maybe buy locally. Uh, what are the reptile shows like in Canada? Because um, I heard that I was listening to Wiccans Whippin. Oh, I Wiccans Wiccan. <laughs> yeah. Reptiles. Thank you. WWR. I love his channel, by the way. Big shout out. Not that he needs it. But he was talking about how there's only one organization who does reptile shows. Is that correct? Kind of. Not really. That's kind of. Um, so there's reptile shows across Canada, obviously, but because of our sparse population, um, in a lot of the provinces, like, especially when we look at, um, like Saskatchewan, Manitoba, there's a lot less happening there for shows, um, okay. places like Ontario, like where we have Toronto, um, huge shows, big shows, right there. And sense. they are run by mostly one organization besides the kind of the fray outlier shows. Um, 
definitely not here like in western canada we have um we have a weird amount of shows in alberta like a, a okay. very strange amount of shows here we have i think six or seven shows a year kind of within we have like a little strip of bigger cities and which is quite a few considering like there's not a whole ton of us mm-hmm. um and then in bc they have a couple but for the most part western canada all of western canada is much quieter for shows smaller shows even the ones that are you know the biggest show in western canada it's still you know relatively smaller compared yeah it really is especially when you look i see the footage i've never been to the toronto shows but i see the footage or i see the footage of the state shows the bigger state shows i'm like wow like that's crazy (laughs) yeah well next weekend is tinley in chicago and i live right there so that's dangerous it's dangerous. But it was kind of cool because I had no idea. I was completely ignorant to what Tinley was for years. Right. I, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's kind of by my in-laws and I'll, I'll stop yeah. by and look around and I'll leave. And I knew it was crowded. But then I realized people were like naming their animals after Tinley. And I'm like, right, this is interesting. Okay. <laughs> right. I was like, cool. All right. This is awesome. And so I'm going to be going there next week uh, and doing a whole gecko. Um, so the day this drops, I'm going to be at Tinley. I doing nice. a walkthrough of just the geckos. So oh, I'm going to cool. ignore all the other animals. It's just a gecko nice. walkthrough. I did it for Schaumburg. I'll post the Schaumburg uh, walkthrough right here just to see what that looks like. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so hopefully you'll be able to watch that too along yeah. with, with this episode. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Can live vicariously for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was so sick and tired of seeing walkthroughs and just like skipping through. Okay, gecko. No, I don't care about all this yeah. stuff. All the ball yeah. pythons. Not that I don't love ball pythons. They're fantastic, yeah. but... Not my not my jam right now. Definitely. And so. it's I always wonder too, because I look at people's stories, you know, when they're posting, you know, oh, we're set up at the expo, blah, 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 come see us. I'm like trying to zoom yep. in and look at other tables. <laughs> like, show me what you have. <laughs> right. I mean, even just to see what the pricing is like, yeah. you know, if you look at my old video, a lot of the breeders let me just kind of scan over and you can see the stickers clearly on the, nice. the tubs and everything. And I think it gives people an idea of, of should I go to these shows? Should I invest yeah. my time? Is it cheaper to go on a morph market? Um, so going back to your shows, though, how like do you vend your shows? Do you just attend your shows? And, and if you do vend, what are your sales like? Do you do a lot of sales at the shows or mostly online? You know, it really depends on the year right now. Everything's been so up and down. So mm-hmm. this year... Uh, I haven't vended any shows, which is okay. super weird. Uh, so I've attended a few just to go see things. And um, it's always so strange being on the other side of the table. <laughs> but, you know, last year, I'd say um, sales-wise, was is it's slow. Like the market's slow, you know, and we really see it. We really see it here. Okay. And, you know, so online sales are obviously still a thing. They almost need to be a thing. I find most of the shows here, especially last year, were, they're more for like families to go check out and not really like breeders going to look and people wanting new pets. It was more so like, ooh, let's see what they have at the reptile show. Um, So, you know, that poses both like kind of pros and cons, though. It's, it can be difficult to financially make sense of attending too many shows if you know that they're going to be quieter but it also does give you the opportunity to talk to those families and those kids and kind of plant that seed of um, how neat they are especially I find 
I'm sure this is the same everywhere. There's a lot of parents with that, that stigma of, you know, snakes Mm -hmm. and all these things and um, kind of rushing their kids through it quickly because, oh, oh, no. And so it's nice to be able to talk to kids and let them see things up close and that it's not so scary. And um, it's because it's going to be a nonstop thing, right? Like kids of the next generation are going to be, you know, us in 20, 30 years and, so it is, it's nice going to talk to everybody, but you know, you can never rely on any show at any time for sales. If you get mm-hmm. them great, if you get lots, even better. Um, but there are definitely shows where they're, they're slow. So you work on, you know, making connections with the other breeders and talking to families and you yeah. really have to find a lot of, especially newer breeders get discouraged when there's a slower show and like, you know, well, I invested so much money and I did this and this and I don't understand. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure that's just how sales of any industry work, you know, like there's good times and there's right. bad times. So. Well, and I think it's, it's the same in Canada as it is in the U.S. right now. The market in general, I don't care if it's geckos, it's slow. Yeah. It's more expensive. Yeah. Inflation has just destroyed a lot of economies. And, yeah. uh, you know, I won't dive into that. Right. But I mean, just my groceries are four times more expensive. Exactly. You know, so yeah. if I'm spending four times more on groceries, you know, it's it's harder to pull the trigger on a $400 gecko, not even a, you know, yeah. $2,000 gecko. Yeah. But a $400 gecko, it's like, do I really need this? Right. Absolutely. Um, and so those, you know, geckos that are a little bit, you know, cheaper, let's Mm -hmm. say, um, that might be great for the initial, you know, gecko owner or the kid looking to get their first reptile. I think that's the the expectation I have is that I'm going to bring, if I produce those, those are the ones I'm going to go to my local show. I'm not going to bring those to Tinley, right? Because hopefully Tinley and the NARBC shows, those are the ones that the other breeders are are going to, to hunt. Um, Definitely. And so we have a a great show by me, uh, called the, the, Scott Smith All Animal Expo. Um, And so we have some amazing breeders who go there all the time, but they know to bring middle to lower end animals. But they're also fantastic. One thing uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, my buddy Ariel. Uh, He's got a lychee he brings out all the time, super handleable. And I mean, you want to talk about getting people into geckos. There's nothing like you can see a table of them. They're cool beautiful yeah but to appreciate a gecko is to hold a gecko yeah uh, feel how soft they are feel how cool it is to have their their pads and their nails you know and realize it yep. doesn't hurt yep. um you know i had this conversation with with david uh, from the gargoyle den in my last podcast um but it, it, it's just that experience like you said of getting over the fear changing that yep. next generation's outlook and, and i was part of that my family never kept reptiles at all snakes were almost as my you know you'd bring a shotgun out if you saw a snake you know (laughs) yeah and so now i appreciate reptiles they're not just dumb creatures i you know they're not as smart as dogs but they have their place in our hearts and so I, if you start with young kids, I think that's just such a great way. And those, those shows have a purpose. And so even if you don't make money, like you said, it can, it can pay off maybe not that day, but down the road when that, that little kid comes back and all of a sudden he becomes a breeder and he buys that, you know, $5,000 gecko from you. Cause you were the first one to sell him right? your gecko. Yeah, no, it's so. true. And you know, I had a mentor when I came into this 
and I was young, you know, like I was real young. Um, well, I, I don't know. I was probably You're still like, young. Well, I was like 20 when I got into <laughs> this. Don't do the math. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I did have a mentor that I met, you know, through attending shows and um, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Like if he just didn't have the time for stuff like that, I wouldn't have the opportunity yeah. to learn and you know say what you want about old school people they have a lot to kind of evolve with but it was really nice getting in and being mentored by somebody that was so eager to teach the younger yes. generation teach us how to diy everything and you know really just kind of put all of our attention into it and so grateful for that you know because it's hard to find people that are excited to teach you know mm -hmm. and excited to to take the understanding that it is a going to affect somebody long-term like in a positive way or right. if you're mean to them about it a negative way um <laughs> sure. but hopefully not too much of that right but. <laughs> but you know and doing this for you know that long i have seen some of those younger kids grow up um and do this some of them really full-time too so it's it is cool to see to see that progression and they do grow up and become breeders sometimes and yeah you know and it's cool when you have somebody so many years later being like oh i brought my first crested gecko off of you like 15 years ago oh my god that's pretty cool <laughs> it's so cool yeah, yeah. definitely yeah it's just something that you know it, it kind of touches you, you know, when, when somebody comes back from that long ago, or if you yeah. see a gecko you, you sold from that long ago, I think it just makes it worth it even more. It's like having a little kid, you know, That's I'm true. hatching out my first geckos and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit too attached and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I almost want to give a survey to anybody like asking for prices, right? Right. Yep. Okay. Do you have, <laughs> yeah. do, you know, cause dog breeders do this, right? Yes. When, when my grandmother breeds, she breeds golden retrievers and with puppies, you have to fill out a form saying, yeah. you know, when's your last vet visit with your animal? Have you, how many animals have you had? Yeah. What does your yard look like? Okay. So with geckos, can, will we ever get to the point where we have a survey? Do you have an enclosure? Do you use UVB? Right. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. And it should be the standard. Cause that's the same. If you go into a pet store, you know, to adopt right. something, even something so small, they will give you a, a little bit of a check-in to make sure that you're competent and capable. Um, yes. You know, and I don't... Hopefully. I, right. I don't find that happens <laughs> a lot in this world, you know, like in, in the reptile world. And I like to know everything. I like to know how this baby's parents are being kept too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to know everything. Um, so I just assume that my customers too are okay with like talking about everything like let's talk about yeah. how to set them up and husbandry and everything but it you know not always receptive and that's okay as long as they give <laughs> yeah. me a pretty good idea that they're capable so yeah and sometimes they come back with those questions too you know yes. yep. whether it be you know you direct them to some youtube videos or some books or you know just here's my contact information yep if you ever have any questions it may be you know a week from now maybe two years from now yeah contact me and i think that that's a sign of a really great breeder it's super important you know you definitely can find breeders that uh how else you say don't quite have the time for you right yep. so uh it is so important because people get really excited when they buy things so they don't ask all the questions right away you know i know yeah. i don't i just get super stoked i'm like okay great bye <laughs> and then you get home with this thing you're like oh my god <laughs> I had so many questions i didn't ask so being accessible that way is so important um, yep. for both your customer and the animal, like the care of the animal, because sometimes it's important that you do respond to that email asking a very yes. important husbandry question. So, 
Yeah. I so okay. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Sure. I'm a new gecko potential owner, right? Yeah. I wanna buy my first gargoyle gecko from yeah. you. What are some good questions people can ask? Say they're going to a show this weekend or they're going to Tinley next weekend. Um, what should we be asking breeders? What would you want someone to ask you? Yeah, you know, I definitely like when people ask me um, anything about the basic husbandry. What do I feed it? Like, what can I keep this in? Because uh, those basic questions lead into so many more, right? Like yes, anything around absolutely. even the parameter of is my house good for this? right? Like, can I keep it at room temperature? Well, what's room temperature? And, um, you know, I, I do like also when people ask to see lineage or ask about parents as well, just because mm-hmm. it gives a good indication of they want to know. Yeah. More so how I keep, how I keep their parents and like if they're taken care of and what they look like and, um, anything along the lines of that enthusiasm for how do I, how do I keep this animal? Um, because yeah. if there aren't enough questions asked, I find, people can just kind of take the first information they have and call it a day. It might not be the right information. Um, So those really super basic ones, like what do I feed it? Well, if you're not comfortable feeding it bugs, you know, maybe we should talk about that Um, because there will be so many times where people don't realize exactly what they should be eating bugs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially younger, a lot of teenagers, right. Will ask their parents Mm -hmm. for permission to get this animal to this gecko and they're convincing them 10 different ways that it'll be okay. And, um, I know there's a lot of people that sell strictly on the premise of they don't need to eat bugs. Like they'll sell crested Mm -hmm. and gargoyles. No, 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 you never have to feed it bugs because MRP just does everything. And that's a different discussion, obviously. But um, (laughs) if you, let's say, end up with a picky gecko that really liked bugs, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to run into all sorts of problems and even transitioning him into a different food might be tricky. And, you know, so just having those open conversations um, with the breeders, all breeders, and obviously how they answer it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, um, how they answer it is obviously important, but like how they yeah. interact with you, like how they treat you about it. Um, yes. That means okay. everything, you know? So it's, it's, the answers are important, but like as a new, as a new uh, keeper, as somebody asking the breeders questions at the shows, that breeder's enthusiasm to talk to you, like that want to share with you and help you, that makes a big difference in, in who you should be you know, trusting purchasing that animal. Yeah. And you stole my thought right out of my head. <laughs> okay. Mind. So I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I interrupted, no, no. but no, I, I just want to reiterate that. I think that, you know, the amazing breeders that I've talked to on the show, it would have no issue, no issue whatsoever. If I bought a gecko from you saying, Hey, can I see parent pictures? Right. Can I see a fired up, fired down photo? Yeah. You know, it, if they're annoyed with that, if they, I guess I can find it for you, but not right now. Circle back. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. The people I've worked with and myself included, if you ask me about the parents, I'm going to absolutely geek out. Yeah. I've been raising this yeah. baby for so many years. Yeah. I want to show you. Yeah. This is her in her diaper. And right. <laughs> <it's> like... <laughs> walk through the baby book with me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and those are things that I think are really important because, you know, like, if I can show the baby pictures, now I can't with all my geckos. Some of them I, I bought a little bit older. But if I can get a hold of that, even from the breeders I bought it from, mm-hmm. I want to have that because then you can kind of look at my babies and say, ooh, that looks just like mom when she was a yeah. baby. Or, you know, this looks like just like that. I just posted on Instagram yesterday 
a, a little like challenge. So my red girl, Eve, I posted her picture next to three babies. Oh, okay? I saw that. I was going to guess the Did third one. Did you see one. that? The ABC? Was it C? Okay. You tell me. What do you think? Was I think it A, it was B, C. or C? I think it was All C. Right. You think it was C. You're yeah. wrong. Really? And here's why. Yes. So C, I think, is going to be better than her. Okay. So it's her and her two kids. I got two girl, two eggs from her. So it's a trick question. <laughs> well, it, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. I mean, genetically, they're all very similar. Yeah. Right? It's half mom. But what I wanted to prove with that, I'm going to post you know, a, a little follow-up saying that it's A. A was, was mom. A lot of people actually said B. B was the number one answer by a landslide. Really? Okay. And then C was number two. Yeah. Most people didn't think it was A. Yeah. And I want people to realize that I'm trying to improve this line. And yeah. so if mom looks like this and you like the kids better, yeah. do you understand why I'm asking this price? Right. Well, and that's, that's such a tricky thing with babies, right? Like that price point because they're like, oh, you know, why so much? And it's like, well, right. and then you do have to almost bring up the baby books to explain, mm -hmm. you know, like I've, I do that for myself all the time with my own animals as I look back in the, like when they hatched to now to see how fast the progression is and, and where the progression is and get a good yeah. idea of like where the animal's going to be. Um, because sometimes they don't progress nearly as much as you think that they would. You know, like they, you're like, what happened? You stopped coloring up at like three months old, but then sometimes they surpass it to such a point where it's like, how is this the same animal? Like, I don't understand what happened here and what they've been eating that's different yep. than everybody else. So it's really cool to share that with customers too, when they're buying younger uh, animals and get them super yep. excited about, you know, that growth and, and color development and. Yeah. yeah, I think people are interested. And I think, and, and as breeders, going back to that, we should be interested in enough to share this with the next generation yeah. or just fellow breeders, yeah. right? Um, just because we're, we're familiar with the geckos and we have our own geckos, I still want to know about the lineage. I still yeah. want to know about all these amazing things about how you're keeping your gecko. Um, and so it, I think it's, it's, it's important. Definitely. So. What I'd like to talk to you, speaking of how you keep your geckos, mm -hmm. okay, I see some beautiful enclosures behind you, some PVC, some glass. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how you keep your geckos. Uh, are there any specific challenges being where you're at uh, that you have to consider? And how have you adapted due to that? Yeah, I think it would be really similar to the northern U.S., right as far as temperature struggles and humidity struggles especially um mm -hmm. as soon as that furnace kicks on for the year your humidity's gone 100 yes. uh just dry heat at that point so you know it's definitely definitely challenging just because to our temperatures i don't know how extreme the temperatures can go from day to day uh for the northern mm -hmm. states but like here we can get extreme like 40 50 plus degree like from day to day our province is kind of known for its whiplash temperature so it can be really hard to predict you know instead of just setting a certain temperature and uh mist system and everything for winter versus spring and summer you really have to kind of monitor it all the time and the seasons have, I don't know if it's just me thinking this, but it seems like the seasons have gotten really extreme lately and really unpredictable. All of a sudden, yeah. you know, it's minus 30, which is like also minus 30 Fahrenheit. Um, yep. 
And the same after negative zero, right? Or yeah, after zero? almost. Yeah, as soon as it gets <laughs> that negative thirty point, you're pretty yeah. much the same. But um, it'll go all the way up to like the next week, like plus five, and so you go, okay, well, everything was really dry this week, and now everything is just so like now I can replace my soil, and so you know, there's there's those kind of temperature um, considerations. I find that's pretty. I don't know. I'm a lot of the northern U.S. again breeders do struggle with that as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I find that how we keep them almost matters less on those types of things. Um, it's the cost. It's the cost up here of keeping them in anything other than bins is just, it's insane. Like it's, it's crazy um, mm-hmm. because nothing is manufactured in Canada like ever, right? Like we don't, okay. we don't have the option, even like our PVC cage builders, there's like four, five in Canada and none of them do gecko things specifically. They do snake things Ah, and try and make it work for geckos. So you're always having to do custom PVC and it's never quite it because they either don't have the experience in the geckos specifically that you're keeping or they're too used to keeping snakes, (laughs) you know, and they are different. So things like that can be challenging um but over that could be a business venture for oh. somebody who's an entrepreneur you know i am so done <laughs> running businesses at this point but uh, no you know there's definitely like as far as keeping goes we keep everybody in like pvc and glass um yeah everybody that's like sub adults and older we do have our babies in heated racks okay um, yeah our babies and then our our growths, depending on the gecko species, usually we try and get them out of the bin 15, uh, fruit flies, 15 to 20 grams uh, is when we try and move them out of the bins by. Uh, okay. You know, it's not set in stone. That's so your six quart tubs? Uh, eight, nine. They're bigger. Oh, okay. They're not nice. the, they're oh, not they're the yeah, they're not the little shoebox shoe box. ones. They're the one size up. Okay. Yeah. So maybe overkill for some geckos, but you know, because they're heated, we do like to have them bigger so that there's more yep. of a you know a difference in the heat for Thermal them. Thermal gradient. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as they're like well ventilated and and because they're heated, we find that that size does work really well. Our geckos grow really nice and you know I wouldn't say fast, but they grow well. Um, we haven't had any issues with humidity in them as well, just because we've kind of nailed down that ventilation. And uh, so no, yeah. you know, no missing toes and tails or anything like that. So um, it's been nice. So I'm going to interrupt real quick mm-hmm. just because I want to ask, I don't want to jump too far away from this. You heat the bins. I, I would say majority of people that I know do not heat their racks yeah. for babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense to me. I know that when I keep my geckos, I heat the whole room with a, a room. Uh, I, I think it's good to have a thermal gradient, but I, I just use a space heater. Yep. Um, and so when I have the space heater higher, especially during the summer, um, I have to miss a lot more because it's drier, yep. but they grow a lot faster. They, they're hungrier. They eat yes. more bugs. So are you seeing that with your babies and what temperature do you keep them at with the heat tape? What do you set it to? So the back of the bin is usually about 80 and the front of the bin will probably be about like 74, somewhere around there. They don't die at 80 degrees. Weird, right? Weird. (laughs) Yeah. I thought they died anything over 72. You know, and it's so funny because like I talk to people about this all the time. Like, oh, well, just room temp is fine. I'm like, it's so weird Mm -hmm. because in all my baby bins, every gecko is like towards the back, like 
always towards the back, especially yeah. Chewies. Chewies like it hard, like hotter than the gargoyles. Mm-hmm. So they're like right up against the back wall because we have it's back heat instead of belly heat just so the bins okay. don't overheat like if our heat tape malfunctions yes um the danger to the bins is like way 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 less than belly heat so but everybody's usually stuck on that back wall and i find i don't have any gargoyles that refuse crickets i haven't had that issue in years ever since i started keeping them in heated racks they're just I don't know. They got that spunk, you know, like they're just livelier and they like to hunt and um, the bins dry out too, which is nice, right? Like you can get Mm -hmm. that full dry out before we miss them at night. Uh, I found when they were too moist uh, from not having that heat in it, obviously there's like health issues that can come from that, but I found they weren't as excited to go hunting and stuff. They always kind of felt like they were too, you know, when you get wet and damp on a rainy day, you you just want to lay on the couch with tea. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and if you think about it, you're, I think that the heat helps them digest. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense when you're talking about other gecko species, mm-hmm. right? The belly heat for a leopard gecko. Yeah. Um, they have to have that. Otherwise, they don't digest their food. Yeah. Everybody knows that in the, the leopard gecko world. Yeah. I think it's because they're not laying their belly on whatever the heat source is, but they might be. Maybe we just don't associate that. Right. And they're more willing to eat the foods that they need the heat to actually digest i think something to look into i think so and you know i've kept geckos so many different ways over the years like so many different ways really just trying to see what works and i'm not going to say that it's foolproof this way but i've encountered the least issues you know like as far as anything goes i just i don't know last couple years since it's been heated has been really um yeah problem free for the babies which has been great I've just loved it as far as keeping all the other ways, even keeping babies in small enclosures. Mm-hmm. I Heated bins has definitely been the way that we've seen the healthiest and best growing animals from. And how do you accomplish that when you move them to the PVC or glass tanks? Yeah, we because the UV and sometimes LED does throw a little bit of heat. Um, mm-hmm. There's a nice gradient. Oh, you use UVB. Cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't do that a lot either. So some of right. us do, but not a lot. Right. Well, I mean that old narrative of they they don't need it, so don't give it to them. Not even like sure. maybe give it to them if you'd like to give it to them, but people say just don't, right? So don't even look into it. Um, yeah. That's changing a little bit, which is always nice to see people trying more things, but you know, we keep everybody sure. that's not in a baby bin, basically, as soon as they move out of the baby bins, everybody gets UV. And uh, that heat does throw enough, you know, just far enough down where I find they bask a lot. They like to come out sure. and bask under it. And um, and we just check too. the mist system can cool things down sometimes. So just temperature check it. And for the most part, though, I find they're really good at self-regulating their heat. So if they want to go get more heat, you know, sometimes first thing in the morning, I will see some like clinging to the screen right under the heat, trying to warm up um, before the the tank is warmed up for the day. But which also says to me, though, that they do love that heat and that light, right? They're always seeking. And and I've noticed it. I'm I'm getting excited for either buying just more glass, but I'm more, more likely going to go PVC. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got this enclosure here, which I have two of my geckos in and I used to do a lot more glass and I've noticed that, yes, when I have, I have a light that's just a led light throws a little bit of heat. It probably gets to about 80 degrees Fahrenheit there. Um, and 
my female especially just loves that spot right up there's a perch right underneath the light bulb and i you know i I almost feel bad for the ones that i have in the the tubs not that they're suffering at all but they you know i I don't give them extra heat i like i said i just heat the room yeah um and i've seen such a i see these geckos obviously more Mm -hmm. i mean they're in the display tank so that would make sense yeah but Gargoyles in general, I think, don't hide as much as some of the other species, just like chewies don't hide as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some individuals can. Yeah. But because we want to see them, if we give them an opportunity to perch out and, and sunbathe, yep. I think while we're awake, we might see them a little bit more. So yep. win-win. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, it's – sorry, my miss system is loud. It just kicked in. <laughs> I can't even hear it. You're good. Oh, perfect. Um, you know, I do find that as well, especially with females. I always know when they're, they've got eggs cooking because they're under the UV basking way more than they ever would be. And that mm-hmm. always gives me a really good, okay, that female has eggs. <laughs> like if you're ever, nice. ever, ever not sure if a pair took or not, it's usually, you can see them under the UV pretty quick and you're like, yes. <laughs> yep. You know your girls, you know their signs. Right. Yeah. No, they all love it though. Like I don't often see any of them shy away from it. We have one gargoyle that shies away, but she's got, not sure. There's something up with her eye. I thought it was a phantom eye when we bought her. But sure. It almost looks like a, a torn, like a torn people, like a torn retina. So it's very sensitive yeah. to light. Yeah. So, okay. I just, okay. Again, I just talked to David at the Gargoyle Den about Phantom Eye. Okay. So if you haven't seen that episode, I'll link it right here. Go watch that and then come back right here, right now to this moment. Um, but he was kind of grilling me a little bit about my Phantom Eye male um, and asked like, how do I know it's a Phantom Eye? Yeah. It's only three years old. It's just starting yeah. to develop. Yeah. And I said, well, I think the theory right now is that phantom eye is a recessive trait, right? Um, and so you need at least two visual parents to, or at least a, a carrier and, and, you know, two carriers of the gene. Um, but what made it pretty clear for me is both parents had phantom eye, right. right? And so my gecko starting to develop it. What he was saying is that there's another way to get sort of a fake phantom eye. So if you ever see a gecko with just one phantom, and one normal, typically it was an eye injury at some point in their right. life. And yeah. when the eye injury happens, it all darkens, yes. which sounds like that might be the case with your gecko. Yes, because it's a, the people's now a total triangle, right? And the whole yeah. eye did darken because of it. So on first glance, it did look like one eye was just really dark. But then when you look like really close and you can see the pupil where that begins and ends, it's like, oh, okay, that's weird. The other eye's like a little dark as well. I wouldn't have... Because some just have darker eyes that aren't quite phantom, right? And so if I didn't see that darker eye, I probably wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, it's a phantom eye. But when I saw that one, I was like, oh, cool. That's so exciting. It was like black, like the darkest I've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when you see it at the expo, too, and they're in the container, it's really hard to see the pupil. Like really hard to see the pupil. And it wasn't until we got her home and I actually took her out of the containers when I saw it because, and it was a totally different look, but I've seen that with, uh, with them, just one eye was dark. So I, I do wonder if that's kind of consistently, consistently the case. I had a Leechianus that had one yeah. super black eye. So one black. Yeah. So yeah, with the lychee. So yeah, if you saw that, you know, uh, lychee with phantom eyes are really cool. They're kind yeah. of nemesis, like and she really had, kind of scary looking. It's true. And she only had one ever and she developed it mm-hmm. with me. Like she grew into it too. It was an overtime thing and her one eye, her other eye just never, it just never darkened. It was so, it was so bizarre. I don't have her anymore. Uh, friend of Red Year does, but, uh, I meant to check in and see if that other one did too, because she was 
probably four before she started to develop that black eye. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I mean, that's the cool thing about this too, is, you know, we act like we know everything right now, but I think we've proven over the last few years that we're just scratching the surface with these, these animals. Um, We really are just starting to dive in and understand their genetics. I think, you know, we just thought, hey, throw random geckos together and we'll see what, sh- sh- you know, pops up. And that yeah. was phase one. Yeah. I'd say we're, we're somewhat in phase two where we're like, okay, we understand basic genetics. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then things like gargoyles always kind of trip us up because it's like, okay, well, we think we know how phantom eye works. You know, let's say it's recessive, but then we'll have animals that try and prove us wrong. Right. Yes. And it's like, oh, I haven't, um, haven't really found any uh traits and gargoyles that are like provable like that you know like they're mm-hmm. just not so we thought that there was none with crested geckos too though right like right. we for a long time we thought that they just had phenotypes and and you know that was it and then when the morphs came it was like an explosion of different morphs so i don't know if that'll happen with gargoyles It'd be pretty interesting to see if that did one day some cool melanistic or leucistic or something really wild looking but i don't know it's been a while (laughs) we haven't seen any i think the more people that get into gargoyles the better chance we have right it's Um, true that happen yeah so and throw throw your odd pairs together too people right i think that's we don't have to all just do you know, red six stripe geckos. I love them. I'm going for them, but not everybody needs just that repeated. And even that, um, I'm kind of looking at really understanding what's the difference because what one person calls a a red six stripe, Mm -hmm. right. Versus the next person, there are some slight differences, right? Do they have a solid dorsal? Do they have kind of a blotched dorsal? Do they have, you know, what's their pattern underneath? Yeah. You know, some look very reticulated, but still have that striping. Mm -hmm. Some have like no pattern whatsoever underneath. And so I think there's little minutia things that we're not paying attention to right now that I really want to start paying attention to. Um, And I think there's more layers than we understand. So I think the genes are there. We just needed to discover them in a way. And I don't think it's as obvious as just, uh, you know, a lily white right no it's it's so true and because you do find that people want the the brightest or the best instead of the weirdos you know really looking for those oddballs in your collection or finding those strange you know we've definitely we go expo shopping to find weirdos people Mm -hmm. that would totally overlook those neat little traits in their geckos that you could make something potentially really cool with Uh, i love i love the oddballs they're fun i especially see like the mosaic and clown type thing coming up I think I'm excited. Yeah. I think if more people pay attention to their oddballs, you know, like not necessarily breed for oddballs because that's obviously difficult, but um, really keeping an eye out for those geckos that are just a little bit different. We'll probably have a little Mm -hmm. bit of better progress with those projects. Yep. And and hopefully I don't offend anybody here. I'm talking about myself specifically. If you're into reptiles like we are, most likely you're an oddball yourself. It's true. Okay. So we have to appreciate the oddballs if we are the oddballs. That's true. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I, I wouldn't consider myself so, in the realm of normal. So <laughs> yeah. No. No, I think when we, we you know, if we were normal, people wouldn't look at us like, what do you do? It's what, true. what's your hobby? Yeah, yeah. Normal people get to talk about their hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but it's okay. I like being different and hopefully everybody watching this, you know, embraces that. I hope so. Um, so, you know, going back to, to being a little bit different up, up in Canada, um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, the companies that we have here, we talked about PVC, but with glass, you know, the big companies, you know, the Exoterra, the Zilla, do you have access to all of that? The Pangea, Rapashi, is that all the same? Yeah, the price point is different. You know, okay. for sure, like it is higher, even if it's just comparing conversion rate, like we do have a higher, higher markup. And I'm sure that's yeah. you know, and shipping things into Canada is way more expensive. We only have two seaports, right? So that changes yep. things. <laughs> um, well, two major ones, I should say. We have a bunch, but two major ones as, as far as, uh, hubs, yeah. you know, big shipping goes. But it, we have... Um, definitely EXO is our main, like most, actually I think all of my glass at this point is EXO just so that everything is uniform. Um, mm -hmm. but what's the EXO? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't Exoterra, know. Exoterra. Sorry. Oh, Exoterra. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like EXO, like the, the stuff in your, my uh, kitchen. No, Exoterra. Or EXO, EXO. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there a new brand? I don't no, know. <laughs> no, no. Um, yes. Yeah, right. So we use Exoterra for the most part. And mm -hmm. we're pretty loyal to Pangea as far as food goes. Sure. Um, we use a few different supplements, but I mean, everything like that's pretty much the same. It's just more expensive because of that accessibility for sure. And are you able to just pick it up at a local reptile store or is it mostly shipping into your house? Um, mostly shipping. Uh, I don't live in a big city, right? So we do mm -hmm. have one specialty reptile shop in, in the city closest to me. It's smaller. Um, he's got really incredible projects and stuff. He specializes in monitors and everything, like really cool to go visit. That's awesome. Um, but it's definitely got less like merchandise, right? Like less viable merchandise, more animals. Sure. Um, so if it's in stock, you know, we can get it in a pinch and that's awesome. But for the most part, we just order and nobody stocks big enough bags, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So we usually have to order for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's one thing about the U.S. Bigger is usually always better here. Right. So. Sometimes I'm just looking for, I don't want to spend that much money, but <laughs> it's yeah. usually cheaper. Yeah. No, we order so. most of our stuff from Northern Gecko. Shocker. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you can, can buy through, through them. Yeah. They're one of the biggest uh, reptile supply wholesalers in Canada as well. Okay. Not just like reptile breeders. So they supply most of the stores, reptile stores and, and such like that with Rapashi. And so, you know, it's, yeah, we just cork cork bark cork round straight to northern yep. echo <laughs> so very cool yeah so you know for the most part though and i think it's location too like if i was in the toronto area i'm sure that would be so much different um but where i am specifically it's you have to order pretty much everything got it yeah and i'm spoiled here um so i really you know if you're somewhere else in the united states and it, it's more you know similar to what we're talking about please let me know but um you know I, I live near a major city, right? I live near Chicago and I've got some amazing reptile stores. I probably have about four that I could rattle off right now oh, wow. that if I wanted to go get anything, they'll have it in stock. And even cork bark, I, I, I've never ordered a shipment of cork bark. I either pick it up at, at you know, I usually get the scrap uh, pieces at Tinley from Pangea. Yep. They have the stuff your bag challenge right. uh, for 20 bucks. Uh, so that's usually for my babies. And then all the other cork you see, I mean, I have tons of cork in here. I just go to my local store, which is Birds and Bees Pet Shop, 
and they have a great price. And so again, I'm spoiled. I know Pangea does have a great, uh, at least here in the States, Pangea does a great job with wholesale uh, cork that people have shipped to their house, but never had to do it. Not yet. Nice. Not big enough. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's kind of fun learning every area I go to what the market's like, just as far as what specialty stores are around, what's yeah. not there, uh, how isolated are you? And so, right. yeah, it, it, it's, it's different for everybody. And I think, you know, the U S is a really big place. There's probably a lot of people who relate to you more than relate to me with right. that. Yeah, no, I suppose so. so. And you know, like we do have a bigger, like a bigger store, but it's like two hours away. Right. That's, yeah. that's the closest kind of big city. So, but still two hours. That's a is, haul to go for cork. Well, I mean, <laughs> you'd be surprised how often we do stuff like that just because of shipping okay. costs, right? Like it's because our yeah. shipping costs are even, especially on dry goods, um, can be just as expensive as shipping animals sometimes. Really? Our shipping costs are notoriously awful here. Yeah. And I, like I run uh, e-commerce businesses, like, so I ship all the time, um, like outside awesome. of reptiles. Right. Um, yeah. so I, I've seen it. We're about two to three times more expensive per package than the U S is. So okay. we, that really adds up. So it's like, well, it does day trip. <laughs> Let's just yeah. rip into the city because it, it's, it's a good expensive. thing. Gas is cheap. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. You really have to weigh that one out these days for sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, won't get into that either. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to focus back on your collection specifically. Sure. Are there any certain projects you're working on right now that you're just really excited and, you know, that you love kind of talking about uh, or, or something that's in the future that, that you want to share with, with uh, YouTube here? Yeah. I mean, I think like everybody getting those really solid six stripes down is always kind of one of the goals, no matter what, regardless of color. Yeah. Um, really stoked to be working some orange into that like to have orange laterals instead of red laterals um mm -hmm. taking that bacon stripe to kind of an extreme <laughs> um and those bicolors in general like bicolor blotches you know where they retain both orange and red um yep. those are my favorite like hands down my favorite uh for gargoyles so that's always the hope you know, it's so hard because you need so many generations of pictures to kind mm -hmm. of put together if that's possible when you're breeding them. But yeah, bicolor in both, like high coverage bicolor is always number yeah, one. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's really cool. I've got some, uh, not striped bicolors, but some of my girls that are blotches um, from Firehouse Geckos are amazing bicolors. And I hope, I mean, they're only about a year, year and a half old right now. They're massive. They're like 65 yeah. grams. But I hope that they keep that bicolor. Yeah. Because it is stunning to see in person. You know, it, it really is. Like we've had some, mind you, we've had some that we've raised and they stayed orange until they were about three and then they turned yeah. red. So it's cool to like it, have that couple years with them though of that like really saturated orange. Right. But We'll take it, you know. Definitely. And I mean, they change over time no matter what, especially like I have some that, in person, like it's hard to say they're not neon, you know, like they're just mm -hmm. so, so bright, especially some of the orange that we have is just so bright. 
and the camera hates it for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, those types of things, like the longer we can keep them neon too, not just as, you know, yearlings, but like well mm-hmm. beyond some bright. And so that's kind of been a huge focus for us too, is not only like that coverage, but the saturation of it. You know, if it's red, I want it to be like deep blood red. If it's orange, I want it to be like an orange, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like really, really saturated. And that can definitely be hit or miss sometimes. But um, I mean, we've had some good luck. And then, yeah, moving forward, I really am focusing a lot on blotches for sure. Um, Okay. We do have some really great breeders here that do make nice blotches, but like not enough. (laughs) we need more so um that's that's well maybe i don't know if you've seen my trio that it's not going to probably breed for another you know season or two but i cannot wait those girls the bicolor ones i've got this crazy red male i got from renee king who is just covered it's it's you know i would consider it an ultra blotch um deep red but the base color is also that deep red so when he's fired up he's solid red yeah but you can still see the outline. Yeah. And then when he's fired down, he's like paper white. No, no, he's not really paper white. He's more pink, um, like a really cool pink, yeah. but with the deep red blotching everywhere. So right. yeah, can't wait to see what those babies make. And we'll all have to ship some up to you. Right. We'll just do a swap, blotch <laughs> for blotch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah. We have so. um, some really cool ones like that too, that were yeah, next season. They should be ready ready to go it seems like that's the story every year is ooh next season <laughs> yeah but um yeah with especially with the blotches we've gotten uh, i am really grateful that we've been able to find some really high quality blotches for next year and because they can be tricky to find um where you see the siblings or the parents are also consistently nice and blotched too because uh, i know we have a couple that were the only blotch or the only reticulated you know for for that pairing for our stripes yep um so you know like their blotch powers are probably a lot lower <laughs> than the others but yeah yeah no we've we've um really been careful you know really taking a while to kind of pick pick future breeders and everything and we don't have a ton you know like we really kind of keep our numbers small so that we can have um what we really are looking for not you know, kind of conceding of, well, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll work probably. (laughs) Right. So you have to be strategic with it and pick quality over quantity for sure. Oh yeah. Especially right now while the market's slower too, you can't just change your Mm -hmm. mind and be like, actually, you know, like I think this would be better with a different breeder. So I'll put it up for sale. No, you're probably stuck Mm -hmm. with it for a while. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, so you gotta be careful. (laughs) Oh, very fun. So, Okay. What would you say, or who would you say is a breeder that, you know, in the the U.S. market, we've got some people who are really well known. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Northern. If you're going to give us a little inside baseball, Mm -hmm. who are some breeders that you want to give a shout out to that are in Canada that most Americans should know if we don't know them already? Yeah, I mean... That is tough because it seems like the Canadian breeders don't bump up the algorithm very much, right? But there's um, right, and so I want to know who I should be uh, friending. So <laughs> I mean, in the gargoyle world specifically, there's not yeah. quite as many. So Modern Gecko, most people are familiar with Modern Gecko. They have um, mm-hmm. a really uh, cute uh, lizard named Smog that gets shared a whole lot. But Modern Gecko is awesome. one of them for sure. They have really, really nice. Um, gargoyles uh nd 
reptiles. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of them before this year. And then looking through their stuff, I was like, oh, damn, like (laughs) you have some really (laughs) incredible gargoyles. Um, We can be friends. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Great, great white north, I think. Out of okay. Calgary, they're another one. He does. He's not active on Facebook right now, but I guess he still keeps. But his also his gargoyles are exceptional. Um, yeah, you know, there's not. It's funny sometimes those breeders that aren't huge on social media are the hidden gems 100%, that I want to find. A hundred percent. You know, I you can buy from big breeders whenever you want. They're very accessible. Usually their stuff is always listed. Um, It's super easy. But when you find those smaller breeders like that, the ND reptiles that I found, I was like, oh, holy, Um, they Mm -hmm. they don't even have a website, you know, like they just, they're just kind of there existing. So um, it's, they're harder to find. But then once you do, you're like, oh, I wish I knew this. (laughs) I wish I'd found them sooner, you know? So, you know, with, with, um, yeah, with gargoyles, I find that there's a lot of people up and coming in gargoyles in canada not a whole lot of really established people that are and when i when i think of a good gargoyle breeder i'm really thinking of people who push push every year you know to make nicer Mm -hmm. stuff healthier stuff better just have a better collection um not necessarily the breeders have just always been doing it and so they kind of keep doing it the same i really like to see that growth in their projects and those are definitely some people that stick out and then yeah i've there's quite a few I have a long list of up-and-comers that I'm really watching because I can see awesome. that their stuff is really nice. Um, but at the end of the day... Well, you'll have to share their names with me and I'll have them on the podcast. Right? I'll just send you a, a giant list. and yeah, There you go. I like it. Right? Yeah. No, at the end of the day, though, like we are still a little a little scant for, for you know, serious gargoyle breeders up here. So, No, that's fair. Well, then that leads me to another fun question other than gargoyles what are some of your favorite species to work with do you work with many other species you know know you did before not a ton anymore right like i really like to give my focus to just a few things it's easier to really um excel at husbandry if you're kind of focused in uh chewies is the other thing that we work with a lot um, don't tell my gargoyles, but they're my favorite. <laughs> Everybody says that. I've got to yeah. get a Chewy now. Honestly, it's I was really late to the Chewy game because I really overlooked them. I really, really overlooked okay. them. And I'm not 100% sure why. Like, I'd met them before, but I'd never, like, handled them and really interacted with them. And back when mm-hmm. I first saw them, they were not as flashy as they are now. So I kind of put, yeah, I put them out of mind, you know, like they're, you know, they're cool, but I didn't really care (laughs) essentially. Um, But I think three, four years ago, four years ago, I started, just started working with them, you know, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because I've been in uh, the new Caledonian gecko world for long enough. These guys are, if you consider that way, brand new to me. Um, Okay yeah four years but they have yeah, it's relatively new yeah really it, it is um they have the biggest personalities uh, as much as a reptile can have a personality so okay what does that mean if you don't want me asking yeah because here's my ignorance okay <laughs> i hear a lot of different things when i think personality my mind goes to dog personality and that's right. not what it is right. or bearded dragon personality but also I hear on the other end, you know, my lychee friends who all are trying to push lychees more than, than uh, chewies. Yeah. Chewy people will tell me that lychees are the crazy ones that are going to bite you. Yeah. And the lychee people will say the chewies are going to bite you. Yeah. Uh, ha- how is the aggression and what are their personalities really like? 
you know, I find it's a really mixed bag with Chewies um, compared okay. to other so things. So they're both right. They really are. <laughs> and it depends on a lot of things too. Like I can have one animal that's just an absolute sweetheart most of the time. But if they're, yep. um, you know, if they're gestating, like if they have eggs ready to go, they're probably going to be cranky. If they just laid with most things, they're going to be cage yeah. defensive. Um, when we, I, my favorite male, Chewy, that I have, he's my buddy. Uh, he bit me for the first time a few weeks ago because we moved him into a new enclosure and it turned ah. out he just loved it and became really defensive of it. And now he's got okay. he's got this like sentinel job going on every night where he comes down to the exact same spot and which is where he bit me. And he just stares <laughs> at us like, don't you dare. Um before he was the sweetest. Don't move me back. Yeah. I'm not going back. Well, and it's funny because he was with a kind of a, a bullheaded female, you know, for the season. Like, she's really bossy. She's she's okay. she's pushy. And these are my two biggest ones, too. So they could really inflict damage if they felt like it. I think he was so stoked yeah. to have his, like, own kind of bachelor pad. Um, he did become very, very cage defensive. I'll never call them aggressive, right? Because they're not being malicious with me by any means. No. But, definitely he became cage defensive so the bite was it took me off guard completely because i never sure. I, I get lazy with them when i handle them a lot um sometimes i don't watch your body language as much as i would with a newer animal you know if i've been yep. handling this animal for x amount of years this is how we interact um but for you know for the most part there's definitely animals that are going to get you there's like the chewies will some of them will chase you out of their enclosure for sure just like a lychee would um, the, okay. the damage obviously isn't as severe because I think our biggest chewy, it's a plus. yeah, our biggest chewy is about, I think it's about 85 grams. Right. Um, okay. so yeah. they're, they're not as stocky bodied as a gargoyle. So it's more in like a lot of length, but it's, it's a good enough bite to remind you to watch their Nobody body. Nobody wants to get bitten even by a <laughs> crested gecko. Let's be honest here. Right. So no, as far as their overall personalities go, like you will get those ones that can be cranky, they're defensive, sure. whatever their issue is. For the most part though, I really, what I would consider personality is their interaction mm -hmm. level. My gargoyles don't interact with me necessarily. Like they know certain things will happen. It's feeding time, right? So they'll be more mm -hmm. into it. Whereas the Chewies will come see you. Like they will come down and see you. They'll watch you. We have a couple that will jump at you like through the glass. Like if you're looking at them, they will jump at your face. They want to come interact. Yeah. They're much different. And I mean, I've had so many gargoyles over the years and they all have their own cute little personalities and their quirks and their, their preferences. But it's that interaction level. Like the gargoyles just don't give me that. They tolerate me. Don't get me wrong. Like they let mm -hmm. me take them out and they'll hang out and they'll walk and they'll do their things. And they also get cranky. But <laughs> yeah. Chewies are, they definitely seem to be a lot more intelligent as well as far as okay. how they handle everything, their partners, their food. And I think too, the debate is there for if they pair bond or not. Mm -hmm. But we have definitely seen that, that they do. Even if it's not a bond, it's a preference. They really prefer to be with one animal. And okay. there has to be some kind of intelligence level around there to, to prefer to be with that one animal instead of just, you know, in mindless breeding mode. So, yeah. you know, but they're, they're... Is that why women are smarter than men? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm saying that one. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I had to. Um. No, I, I do recommend, though, especially people that keep new cows, yeah. get a Chewy. Even if it's just for a pet, they're, yeah. I do find them more rewarding to keep because of that interaction level. They're just so much fun. Um, 
they're bigger. You do need bigger spaces for them. They utilize it. Like mm-hmm. I find my gargoyles don't utilize height as much. Like you can give okay, them a yeah, square box, see that. right? And okay. then they're fine. Because yep. um, they're from scrubs, right? Scrublands. They like shrubs and living mm-hmm. under logs and things like that. Whereas chewies, I mean, they're moss colored and they're prehensile for a reason, right? They yep. utilize that height. So they'll use every single inch that you give them in an enclosure too, which is um, I love watching them because they're, I wouldn't say they're crepuscular, but I do find they're really active right before lights out like that, that dawn okay. and dusk, the gargoyles will pretend that they're just dead until lights go out here. Right. Like they're just right. like, they don't move. And then you shine the flashlight at them and it's like, right. Breeze. Yeah. A hundred percent. Whereas the, yeah, the chewies are not like that at all. They're very active, you know, while the lights are very still cool. on, which I don't know. I always prefer to kind of interact with my animals before the lights go out. So you you try to, you know, you do. Yeah. No, I do really recommend. We just got some Eurodactylodes as well. Um, We've never kept them. Oh, I love those. Yeah. I, I, I was another one of those that I overlooked big time. I, I didn't get it. Yeah. And then I don't know what it was. Just something switched. I'm like, oh my God, they're so cute. <laughs> um, They're so cute. The size. And they're right? so easy. They, they're easy. Yeah. You want to talk about handle? They're like, they're mini chewies, is what I've been told. And again, I haven't had a chewy other than just a baby, and I sold it to buy more gargoyles. Right. But with with your dactyloides, I had a, a breeding pair. Uh, it's actually how I kind of afforded to to buy so many geckos at first. Is I bought a breeding pair for a really awesome price, and just started selling the babies. Um, but what I found was that I mean, a you could handle them so easily. They're slow moving. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all over the place. They don't hide very much. No. I if they were more colorful, they would be more popular in yeah. my opinion than all the other new cows. I agree. And like there's besides the rare ones, I've worked with, you know, all mm-hmm. the commonly available new cows and they do some of them are definitely I'm not going to say overrated, but they have a popularity mm-hmm. level that is surprising to me considering mm-hmm. how great things like your Dactylodes and Chua are, right? Like they're so, mm-hmm. I know the price point makes Chewies a little inaccessible for some people that just want them as a pet, but there's yeah. always mainlands. Especially the Pine Island. Yeah. Like we have mainlands as well for that reason, because they are accessible. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have some really gorgeous mainlands that are just as pretty as a lot of PIs. Even they, like, even have a white collar, right? Like, they're really pretty and smaller, too, yeah. right? Smaller enclosure, less food. You know, it's, it's they can be accessible. They're... But I don't know. Those, uh, the mainlands have just been kind of written off as the ugly, brown, smaller, chewy. And they're not. And the reds that I've seen on yeah. them are amazing. Yeah. I know that I... Uh... Crossbreeding them is a big no-no, right? Because we want to keep the pine not, island yeah. here. The, yeah, ideally, yeah. right? So I wonder sometimes if there's a white collar, if there was a little bit of cross, who knows? You know, I think but, it's really hard to say that any of them are pure locale at this point. I right. really think, especially since we've gotten so much of our stock from Europe, which didn't put as an, a big of an importance on keeping them separate. It's you can see similarities in both all the time. Like you can see Pine Island traits in the mainland sometimes, and mainland traits to the point where now you don't fully know unless you have the lineage. So, you know, it's definitely. I think we're canceled after this conversation. You know, that's what I'm getting from. That's this. fair. <laughs> no, in in all honesty, though, like it, that I think most people do share. Most people do share that mindset, especially when you look at the Chewy groups on Facebook, which seems to be the only yeah. active Chewy kind of groups. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's pretty, it is pretty well known that like, it's, it's going to be real hard to get anything pure. And if you do get something pure, you better like back check it mm -hmm. that it's like an F1, F2, you know, where the parents came from. Like it's really, especially with main lambs, right? Like yep. especially. So I don't know. Because I, I don't know how much they cost out by you, but a mainland, I mean, even 2021, 2022, that's when I got one. Uh, I got my first one uh, from Jekko's Gecko's amazing red line little baby. It was a mainland. And I'm like, oh, I can get this for $400? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, trying to sell it for $400 <laughs> without the name Jekko's Gecko's? Yeah. Nobody wanted it, yep. you know, um, and so I, people were offering me 200, 154, and I'm like, for a chewy, yeah. really? I thought a chewy, and they're like, well, it's not Pine Island. Yeah. Yep. Okay, all right, good to know. Yeah, you know, it's and it's so strange because even interaction wise, my mainlands, they're almost a little goofier, like they're weird. I don't know, they're total goofballs, and yeah. they're just as fun. Yeah, I I don't know why they've gotten kind of like that demoted status for <laughs> for chewies but they really have <laughs> i don't know i love them i think they're really neat and they really should be more popular like they should be just as popular as the main mm -hmm. or as the pineals just for pets like just for pet purposes if you're just looking to sure. buy a chewy mainland is great like there's nothing wrong with getting a main nothing wrong with them yeah. that's awesome i and one thing i'll be honest with you i do know i saw that you posted that you did recently get a new chewy and it was Gorgeous. Uh, did you get it from what? ET geckos? One of them. Yeah, we got two. We got two new chewies in the last import. Um, okay. One was from ET geckos, and one was from Dragonborn Exotics. So awesome. Yeah, both yeah, really I, great breeders. Both great breeders. Um, the one that I saw that was from from ET, mm -hmm. I I even reached out to them after I saw your post because I'm like, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, I'll put a picture of it here, um, but. I think it, it looked almost like it was like almost black, like it was younger. And then it had these like orange blotches yeah. and I, it just, it was so cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I reached out, I, I am like, do you have any siblings? I, you know, she was so nice. She's like, we actually, you know, I think just so you know, that's going to turn orange most likely, yes. you know, based the on the lineage. I'm like, orange. Yeah. That's, that's even cooler. Yeah. Like, if that was to deter me, you're doing a horrible job. Right? You just sold me even harder. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, you've got to share that gecko with me eventually, like pictures and just, you know. Definitely. I want to see what, what that produces. Yeah. That one is one that we've really, we were so excited to have it because it is, mm -hmm. buying into good lineage can be tricky, especially in Canada. Like I said, we all share a lot of Northern gecko chewies and everything. And so yep. when we import, from the states when we get chewies from the states they're already such a high cost animal right so you know that that import is going to be like it's going to hurt <laughs> so five percent on top of that yep. oh, exactly so <laughs> you know it was so that's something you have to be even more mindful with it's like okay i'm gonna buy chewy from the states so you know this better be the right one um so it's actually my my partner he it's his gecko technically he says oh, it's cool. ours okay. but that's his gecko because <laughs> he fell in love with um i believe you say the name uh kasura is the the mom the dam for that baby and she's okay. like this yellow 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 like she's like yellow 
And I still think it's like a really cool orange. He says it's yellow, but he reached out mm-hmm. to ET and was like, I really like, are you ever going to pair this? Who are you going to pair it with? Like, I really love this gecko. This is like my dream gecko. And um, yeah. so yeah, sure enough, she's like, yeah, I happen to have one. So we, <laughs> we did an entire import around getting that ET gecko because we had to have it. We had to have it. Um, you have to have yeah, it. Yeah. And we're I mean, really big. Like, don't get me wrong. I love white collars. I do. But I'm mm-hmm. really big on high color. I love the color. Yes. Um, obviously, having both is the best of both worlds. And ET specializes. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, uh, Kahua Chamber. Kahua Chamber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never. Yeah, however you say it <laughs> now today. He's the Chewy Chamber I didn't for take... me. <laughs> yep. Um, but a... he's. Kui or Chewy. Right. He's um, him and uh, ET or who I think of when I think high color, like off the top of my head, I know there's Absolutely, amazing yeah. breeders that also do it, but they're always the top two for me. And so it was kind of, you know, those goals of, Oh, one day, one day I'm going to buy from mm-hmm. this breeder. So we were able to Absolutely. get one from ET this year, import from ET. We got um, another, yeah, another Chewy and another gargoyle from a dragonborn as well. And, and uh, nice. a crusty that might dragonborn has crazy stuff you know his he's another one of those accounts i know a lot of people do follow him but not enough people know what he has you know because he mm-hmm. is not super active on instagram so we don't see a lot of it but when you do like when he posts that one picture yep. you're like holy <laughs> like that's yep. that's insane um and then you're like okay well what about the lineage and then he'll show you the lineage you're like what <laughs> yeah so <laughs> have you been breeding for like 30 years like how did you get all that yeah right. no, it's amazing no so that's we were really stoked to be able to do that import for sure because those were two breeders where i'm like you know if we could ever just import just mm-hmm. this one time we did import a chewy from choice geckos as well earlier this year oh yeah another great chewy absolutely breeder. and because we wanted high color right so she's got almost no color uh, collar on her she's got just this tiny little mm-hmm. blip of a collar but she is like uh, orange, like tangerine orange. Um, we, we named her Mango because she's bright orange. Nice. Um, and we're just not seeing that yet in Canada, right? Those high colors. Like okay. there's a lot of breeders working on it. Kind of where mm-hmm. I'm at or a couple years ahead of me um, for high color. And we're all importing though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Well, you need to. I yeah. mean, that's what we talked about today. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love the idea of the high color um, because just like with, you know, lily whites, right? Everybody was raced to get a pure white gecko. Yeah. And now they're still amazing. They're still expensive. There's nothing wrong with the super high white lily yeah. white. But where do you go from there? And th- right? this is this is it. We talk about that with Chewies all the time. Of like, okay, well, now you have a pure white gecko. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Like, now you've got to backtrack yep. and add a bunch of color back into your whites. Right. So, um, and that's why we went straight to ET as well, because she's accomplished both like really consistently. Um, So even Mm -hmm. if it's like the ugly duckling, which it's not, I love, I love the gecko we got from her, but even if it was like the worst of them, it's still a phenomenal animal. Right. So, you know, the genetics can throw crazy stuff. Oh, especially, you know, with Chewies, I really find you have to buy for lineage, not necessarily Mm -hmm. what they look like. Um, as an animal themselves but that lineage usually means more at the end of the day and you can buy into some really incredible genetics if you're not too worried about how much white they're showing so we definitely have some sleepers genetically where you see them like oh that's nice 
but when you see the yeah. lineage, you're like, oh, <laughs> that's going to be crazy. So, you know. Grandpa was insane. Right. You know, I mean, like, it's no right. different than gargoyles, right? Because are you getting that that pair's nicest or that pair's, mm-hmm. you know, not as nice that year? Um, if you're getting that pair's only one nice animal that it randomly threw, genetically you might not be looking at as crazy a project you might be disappointed yeah. after three years in pairing and yeah and i'll be honest with you i fall into that trap too i'm human i've said this many times on the podcast i like pretty things i surround right. myself with pretty things yep. my wife likes to hear me when i say that right. <laughs> um, but you know i but you know like my you know my geckos i've sold off geckos that i know had you know really good lineage just because i'm like I just for right now to stay interested and motivated in the hobby, I only have, you know, at the time, maybe 10 geckos. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to look like a stunner. Right. Right. Um, but now that I've kind of established my initial collection, I think that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely more cost effective, which again, yeah. if you're trying to make this work on a budget, mm-hmm. uh, being very strategic yeah. is, is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Don't go into debt for geckos. You're not going to make your money back. It is not. It is not <laughs> what people say it is. That's for sure. You know, even during the boom times, um, people mm-hmm. made a lot of money in 2020, um, in 2021. But now they have a lot of animals that can't sell. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, did you actually make all the money that you made on paper or do you have way too many geckos now? <laughs> Be, right. You know, because we're. Well, well because, now. you know, we're. I don't know if you chalk this up to intelligence or whatever it is, but chalk it up to the addiction, all right? I never in a million years would have thought I would spend anywhere near $1,000 on a reptile, yeah. okay? I, when when I was into Bearded Dragons and I bought a, a Bearded Dragon for three fifty, I thought I was insane, yep. okay? Yep. And that was a beautiful red, dunner, you know, crazy uh, dragon. But as you get into this hobby... And everybody who's listening probably can relate to this. You, this is why the shows where you buy your $150, you know, starter gecko, yep. all of a sudden you buy that next gecko and you have $200 yep. and then you sell that gecko. And now you're like, Oh, I sold that gecko. It was a little bit older. And now I have $400. Let's reinvest the full 400. What can I buy? Oh, yep. that's nice. Yep. And then it, it just, just because I make money, I sold one gecko for, let's say $2,500 this, this past year. Right. I could have pocketed, you know, a big chunk of that as profit. Right. I said, no, I'm going to invest it back in the geckos. So yes, even during those boom times, most of those breeders probably just goes, let let the dice roll. Let's keep going with this. Right. So unless you cash out, it's not actualized. No. And that's the thing too. I think that's, I don't know, like when you really readjust your expectations financially in this hobby, like, and know Mm -hmm. that it can't be about the money. Like it just can't. They have to at some point be able to help pay for themselves, you know, their food and everything for sure, um, just to make it a sustainable hobby. But at the end of the day, um, it just doesn't matter. You know, like it just, it just, I, it doesn't even matter. Sometimes I love my $50 geckos as much as my, you know, thousands worth of a gecko. And they're all, I don't know, even if they don't make, even if they don't, sometimes it happens that you buy a gecko and they just won't breed. They are a bad producer. Yep. Just no matter who they're paired with over the years, they just won't. Um, 
I, a lot of people do look at that as like a waste, like a bad investment, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those type of expectations really need to be left at the door because we're not dealing with merchandise that we can predict and, and no. keep a certain way. We're dealing with, um, I mean, it's a bad investment if you're looking at it as an investment. It, is. it really <laughs> it's is. the worst investment. No, no, no. But I love it. I find it worth it no matter Invest what. Invest in the stock market if you're going to do an this investment. This is dopamine uh, investment is what it is, though. Yes. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, the, the, the first time you hatch out an egg or find an egg, yeah, it, it's just, you know, that dopamine hit, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely it amazing. It just makes you want to do it more and more. Yeah. And then you want to go, okay. It's almost like when you're going, if you've been to Vegas or any of the casinos. Well, I've right? been to casinos. It's yeah. like you've been to casinos, yeah. right? You pull the slots, you know, and you win $5. Great. Yeah. But you're you're like, all right, jackpot, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah it's true. Yeah. I mean, some call it an addiction, but <laughs> it's. It is. You know what it truly is. But, you know, the nice thing about it, though, is doing it all these years later. Because I started breeding um, amphibians so young, too, like mud skippers and, you know, fire belly toads oh, cool. and stuff like that. Um, like over 20 years ago, I get so excited still. Like when I see things hatch, especially, you know, first things like your first chewy or your first knob tail or your first whatever, it's still so yeah. exciting. Like it's the first, but even, even still, I get so excited when I see gargoyles in the incubator. I don't even know how many thousands of gargoyles have been through the incubator, but still I'm like, you know, happy dancing about, Ooh, oh my God, I can't believe it. Whatever, well, whatever. a little bit different. Yeah. And you know, it's like, you're looking at them super close. You're like, come on shed i want to see do you really have that yep. pattern i think you have oh 100 i'm really bad for two and you see it like rolled up their nose already when they come out of the egg mm-hmm. i just kind of give it a little like are you gonna come on <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, are you gonna yeah, show yeah. me what's under it, there it, <laughs> there's a question for for maybe you or the audience and i pretty much know the answer do you ever help your geckos with their sheds sometimes for sure it's okay. circumstantial right um yeah. i have some geckos that would never dream of letting me help them um you know but i do often if i see um especially out of the incubator if i see their shed is still on them a few days later um then i will help them because sometimes it's too wet you know because incubation Mm -hmm. media just keeps them so moist i will help them especially if they're very very young um until they get into their baby bin and they can regulate on their own um sometimes too if i see if i open the bin and i see they have a hoodie on you know where it's like like peeled back i do help them just a little yep. bit not a lot i don't like you know <laughs> but it yeah. is so but it's so tempting it, it really is and especially too because you know um it's not harmful if you're not stressing them out if the shed is already completely loose like it's not actually going to harm them right. you might stress them out of it um unless mm-hmm. some of your animals are just so docile that they just really i definitely have some of those yeah. are like fine human whatever really <laughs> take take my shed <laughs> Um, right but it is so exciting especially those first two years of gargoyles because they look different every shed even a little bit there's Mm -hmm. some kind of progression some kind of difference so you get so excited when you see that like when they're in ghost mode you know you're like it it can be very hard i'm so impulsive too i just i just want to i do my best and not um the babies though the babies that have been out of the incubator for a few days those are always the ones that i help out just because when that shed is too wet it just won't it just sticks to them it won't come off so I've only had one time where I've helped a shed so far with gargoyles, plenty with bearded dragons, yeah. but um, it was a little baby that, that, you know, didn't shed over a few days and it started to get the the hood. Yeah. And so I'm like, Ooh, okay. So I had these little tweezers and I just held onto it and the gecko ran out of it. Yeah. Shed. 
It was such a cool, like, just <laughs> yeah. unzipped, yeah. you know? Yep. And I'm like, oh, you're gorgeous. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, especially that first um, shed. That's always so exciting to yeah. see. It was so fun. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, it's not just that first one. It's all the other sheds that they keep getting better and yep. better and better. And even at a three-year-old age, like, these geckos live for a long time. Yeah. And sometimes they get duller and yep. sometimes they get brighter. Yep. And so it's not an always a straight up projection of, yeah. of color and pattern. But um, one thing that, that stuck with me, I was watching a video with Brian from Altitude Exotics. Yeah. And he was explaining that he keeps everything back until it's it's pretty much a juvenile. Like he doesn't sell babies. Right. He sells, you know, sub-adults to adults. Yeah. And he deals with initial babies. And then he lets someone else that I think works for him oh, okay. uh, take care of the babies because he likes when they transition into the adult tubs right. he's like oh look at how much you've changed right. where if you see them every day you don't appreciate that as yeah. much and i'm like well i don't have that luxury but i think that's such a cool right. idea right it's true it's oh look at that everybody's lights out um yeah, sorry. it's no it's we've been talking for a while oh yeah i guess no it's fun too because yeah. the i have some gargoyles too they're older like you know years old and their new shed all of a sudden they have orange speckling all over their face where they didn't for yeah. years, you know? So they definitely keep it. I don't know. They keep it exciting that way. Those little things, those tiny little things that yeah. make it a little more fun every time somebody does something as minor as shedding. <laughs> Better looking age spots. Don't you wish our, our age spots all looked I like mean, that? I mean, yeah. That was... <laughs> <laughs> yep, sure do. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, um, I really have had a blast talking with you. You know, this has been so much fun. Hopefully you've had some fun too. For sure, too. it's been great. So thank you, Jasmine. Uh, you know, I've learned a ton about, you know, some of the differences between the U.S. and Canada. And uh, we're definitely going to have to figure a way to do a swap one of these For days. Sure. You've convinced me to go look at the Chewies at Tinley. Nice. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll send you some pictures and you definitely. Know, show you what we have down here. Definitely. I where can people find you if they're looking to, to look at your geckos? Just Blackthorn Exotics on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, blackthornexotics.ca. I think even on Morph Market, I don't update my Morph Market um, like okay. ever. But, you know, pretty much just Blackthorn Exotics. Nobody else has the name, so I'm super easy to find. Fair enough. I'm actually going to sneak in one more question sure. here. Morph market. How often do you guys use yeah, it? Yeah, not often. Not often. It's really geared towards Americans. Just um, I mm -hmm. think user number wise, right? Like we just okay. we we use it here, but there's ninety nine percent of the ads that we see are in the states, so it makes it a lot right. harder to shop. And when you narrow it down to um, Canada only, then it's like, well, I've seen all of these on Instagram, <laughs> so right. there's like no shopping to be had here. So it's like shopping at your high school. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I, so there's not, I find it is very um, American based and that's fine, right? Like it works amazing yeah. for sellers down there. Mm, it's works. Okay. If you have like really neat, unique species up here, but if you're a gecko mm -hmm. breeder, Morph Market's probably not the place for you in Canada. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. And I know that personally, when I, I go into Morph Market, uh, the default is that it's the U S and Canada. Yeah. Um, and so, I will actually turn off Canada because I've gotten disappointed so many times where I see an amazing gecko and I'm like, out of my price range after the shipping. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. Sorry. Sorry to do that to you, nice. but it's something that I've done. It's all good. We're used to it. <laughs> fair enough. 
Jasmine, you're amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, you have a wonderful rest of your night. Yeah, thanks for having me, and enjoy Tinley. Definitely take some pictures for me. <laughs> I will. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll post that video, and I'll send it to you right away. Perfect. Okay, thanks so much. All right, have a good you one. Too. Bye. Hey, if you've enjoyed this video and want to encourage me to make more Gargoyle Gecko content, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, and maybe uh, check out one of the videos right over there. I'll see you next time on Gecko Cove.